your policies, your laws. Let's debate on Night Talk. It is 22 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really do appreciate it. Look, it, top of everybody's mind as we watch this Dr. Nandi and Tabo Pesa story unfold is how on earth did she fall in love with this man who has now clearly ruined her life? Look, she's no victim here, so I'm not going to frame her as being solely the victim of uh, Tabo Pesa's influence. She is very much an active participant in some of the crimes. She herself is facing murder charges. This woman did horrendous things like buying corpses, defrauding insurance companies, helping this man escape, abandoning her children at school while fleeing the country with the Mercedes Benz and leaving it abandoned across uh, the Bait Bridge border. She did all sorts of things in the name of living a life with her lover, her partner, her boyfriend, Tabo Besta. But why? Because at some point, we all pull out, right? When, when you realize you're in a toxic relationship, you especially one that may end you up in jail, you pull out. One that requires you to break the law and commit heinous crimes, you pull out. Why did she not? I mean, this man was in jail when she started visiting him in 2017. I don't have an answer, but Dr. Giada Del Fabro might have an answer. She's a clinical and forensic psychologist. Dr. Del Fabro, thank you so much for your time this evening. Really do appreciate it. Thanks, Oliver. I watched a series last year. It's called Devil's Dorp. I don't know if you've seen it, right? But there's this one journalist that falls in love with mm-hmm. a serial murderer while interviewing him in jail. So, so she would visit him in prison where he was to be able to help build the case. And he would tell her about all these crimes he committed and all these people he killed. And in the process, the journalist fell in love with him. If you remember Ananias Mate, a lot of journalists would have described mm-hmm. to you just how charismatic he was as a person and how it was easy to like him as a human being despite all the crimes he committed. Being Having a level of compassion is one thing, but being deeply, uncontrollably, insatiably in love with somebody of that character is a different thing altogether. Is there a scientific explanation behind that phenomenon? Well, I mean, there's, there's various explanations. I mean, what we do know is that it's um, that you know, hypostophilia is really um, someone's attraction, sexual attraction to a very violent and um, serious criminal. Um, I mean, these are people like rapists, murderers, serial killers, and we do find it more in women. Um, mm-hmm. The reasons for it are varied. I mean, but it it really is something that has happened probably quite early on in their lives that they've they've developed this probably during puberty when their sexuality is emerging, and um, you know then this gets pursued when they are adults. Yeah. Uh, so so describe to us what the condition actually is. So I mean, you've got two types. You've got passive hypostophilia and you've got aggressive hypostophilia. So Passive hypostophilia is, you know, these are women that don't really want a relationship with the, I mean, kind of one-on-one physical relationship with the, with the criminal, but they will send letters, write fan mail. I mean, you've got um, what's called serial killer groupies, and these are women that will write love letters, will engage in a more distant relationship. They don't really want to meet the person in a physical yeah. contact, but these people... Um, more than likely have rescue fantasies, so they're quite delusional. They believe they can fix this person. Right. They believe they're misunderstood. They believe that just with the right influence, they'll come right. But what you find is that the aggressive 
published the filiacs, are they are the ones that are willing to help out. So they'll lure victims, they'll hide bodies, they'll even engage in criminal activities themselves. We've got a good example in Rose West. I don't know if, I mean, they were in England and a couple, Fred and Rose West, that killed, even killed his own stepdaughter. But they would they would find young girls and then kill them. But she was quite actively involved in luring the girl mm. victims because, you know, they, they, they trusted her as a woman. They didn't sort of expect that. Um, and they really want to secure the love of the criminal, but they don't realize they're dealing with people that are quite largely psychopathic and are very charming. I mean, like you've spoken about the examples you did, and, and can really um, exploit these people for their own benefit. Um, but generally what you find is these people put themselves in a position to be seduced, manipulated, and lied to by people who they fall for. Um, yeah, I mean, there's one, one theory that says a lot of the aggressive hypostophiliacs may be victims, but they also there's a theory that goes that they live vicariously through the criminal because of the because they got like notoriety and yeah. infamy and and they gain some sort of status by being associated with them. Um, so right. They get sort of too. Right. But Do- you know, with Dr. Nandi, this almost feels like it doesn't apply because she was quite celebrated in her own right and a lot of fame and status. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask about fame and status. Mm-hmm. Is 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 the notoriety addictive? So I think it's appealing. So I think um, it stems from people who have quite low, women with quite low self-esteem, and generally they feel they can get some of that status and power by being linked to a, mm, mm. a powerful man, but not in a, but in, in very aggressive and negative ways. Mm, mm. Give us a call. The number to dial is zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Have you experienced this before? Have you noticed it? Uh, one of my colleagues, I, I, I won't mention who, uh, had a chat with me earlier, and she said to me, "I get the idea of liking a bad boy. I've always found myself liking <laughs> bad boys, but I mean, this is this is beyond that, right? This is far mm-hmm. beyond that. Maybe you found yourself in a situation like that. Give us a call. How did you navigate your way out of it? Uh, hopefully, you did and didn't find yourself breaking the law, committing crimes, and ending up in jail. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a voice note: zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. I'm also taking your WhatsApp, uh, your WhatsApp voice notes on that number. You can also give us a call, 086-000-20320. You can call us anonymously uh, and tell us your story. We would greatly appreciate it. Dr. Del Fabro, would you describe hybristophilia? And not would you. What is the actual ca- uh, categorization of hybristophilia? Is it, I understand it to be a mental condition or a psychological condition, but is it in the category of psychological and mental illness? So it is. I mean, you'd find it in the, I mean, the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, the Psychiatric Guide, and you, just, you will find it in there. So it's, it's definitely defined as um, a psychiatric, psychological condition. Curable, treatable? Okay, so it depends. Um, also, I want to specify that it's not necessarily a mood disorder or kind of a psychosis of sorts. So the person still has a very set idea of right and wrong, so they know what they're doing is wrong, but they persist in spite of that because of the kind of sexual drive related to it. Um, curable, did you I say? Think, sorry, did you say sexual drive? Yes, yeah. So they derive sexual arousal and sexual... Uh, Attraction and pleasure from the idea of the danger associated to it. 
That's correct. Um, and what you fo- find is it falls under the general category of paraphilias. And that's any sort of recurrent sexual urge, fantasy, um, behavior, which is based on an atypical situation, object, activity. And, um, you know, I think for most people in society, it would feel quite atypical that, that you know, you'd, someone would pursue a violent criminal, um, you know, for a relationship. So it falls within that. And within that, there are things like fetishes, um, you know, and different kind of very um, deviant sexual practices, yeah. but, but also quite strange ones. So, I mean, the, the average man in the street would find it quite strange if they heard about these. Mm. Generally, human beings are... are, are quite capable of being able to separate uh, romantic attachment or romantic love from sexual attraction. Um, is it indistinguishable in such instances? Yes, I think it is, because I think even in the case of the more active abyssophiliac, um, there's a sense of this being love in some way, and they do feel like there's a reciprocal feeling towards them. But what you know about the individuals that pursue is that they are very manipulative, conniving, charming, and, um, you know, it's not love that they are directing towards Mm. the woman. So are there clinical and therapeutic tools and practices Mm. and technologies that can be used and applied to help people who find themselves in that instance? And, and, I mean, without, you know, being too detailed about it, if Dr. Nandi sat on your couch in your uh, consulting room, what are the first set of questions that you're going to ask her to establish how to help her? That's a good question. Um, but to answer your first part, I think definitely with psychotherapy, um, it, it, it can be remedied. Um, you also find what works is like 12-step programs, but not for you know, AA or NA, but generally for almost the addictive nature of, of the attraction to these people. Um, so that can also help. Um, I do think that, okay, she's in my couch. I try to ascertain, first of all, good history is important because what you find with these women, if she is kind of fully active, there's often a history of repetitive, being involved in repetitive abusive relationships. I mean, I don't know that about her, but that would be something I'd be interested in. Um, mm. You probably want a history of the kind of sexual development, but, you know, what's that been like for them right. um, to get a sense. And then I'd want to ascertain how how entrenched is her connection with him. Um, because in a way, it's almost like working with a victim of abuse, if they have been victimized, who will return to the abuser over and over again, in spite of like, knowing that it's not good for them. Um, so the attachment to him would be important for me to ascertain, because I, you know, if, it's, if she feels like she's betraying him by moving away, you know, then we've got a, a more serious situation than if you're sort of willing to acknowledge that um, mm, mm. she was, you know, she was behaving not in line with, with what she would have liked to have done. Mm. Give us a call. The number to dial is 86 Send us a WhatsApp voice note on 614 We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, we continue the conversation. Afternoon, Oliver Young and Rose being in Cape Town. Oliver, you know, um, I think when it comes to Dr. Nandipa, it's greed, you know, greed and the love of money. Think about it to say if this man can make millions of friends inside prison, you know, um, 
you know, to pretend as this developer, you know, whom um, managed to to lure, you know, potential investors, you know, to buy in this um, upcoming development and make millions of friends. I mean, think about it to say um, this guy is smart. So, well, for her, I think it's greed and the love of money. Good evening, SAFM team. Demi from Wheatbank here. Yeah. Um, look, it's not a matter of gender. I'd like to be begin it by so saying. But it's the matter of love. I think there are those people who prefer people who are, you know, mighty, who are fearsome, who can bribe, who can, you know, get their way in a wrong way and get away with it. In terms of ladies, there are ladies who love such men, and there are men who love such women. Because um, I've just scrutinized Tabo Besta's story and recognized how it has been going. I grew up in such an environment, believe you me. There were those beautiful chicks, that then I thought, maybe I can have this one, maybe I can be with this one, maybe I can love this one. But you find they're involved with the thug, and you ask yourself how it happens. Yeah, keep those voice notes coming in 086-000-2032. Dr. Del Fabro, a little bit earlier on in the conversation, you said that uh, Nandi had her own established um, personality. She was already a public figure. Uh, she had a successful uh, uh, you know, a- aesthetics business, a successful practice. She was already well known. Her attachment uh, to Tabo Besta didn't fulfill uh, a void which seemingly is typical uh, amongst people experiencing hybristophilia. So it may well not be that. If not that, then what could it potentially be? Dr. Del Fabro? Ooh, seems like we've lost Dr. Del Fabro. Let's see if we can get her back on the line. You can give us a call. What is on? What are your thoughts around this conversation? Is this something you've ex- seen or experienced? Um, give us a call, 086-000-2032. Dr. Del Fabro, we have you back on the line. Did you get yes, my sorry, question there or did you miss it? No, I didn't. I missed it. Right. So my question is earlier on, you said that uh, Dr. Nandipa may not necessarily be experiencing hybristophilia, given that before her uh, attachment or involvement with Tabo Besta, she had already her own established personality, a well-known public figure in South mm-hmm. Africa, a celebrated doctor, uh, a very successful practice. Uh, she had a, a independent identity already strong enough. Uh, so her attachment to him wasn't necessarily or could not necessarily have been for the fulfillment of what is a void of self-esteem or the void of uh, mm-hmm. yearning for notoriety herself uh, or the status that comes with that. It must then be something else. So if it's not that, and if that's one of the prerequisites for hybristophilia, what then could potentially be uh, the explanation, the, uh, the, the, the psychoanalytical explanation for her behavior? Actually, it's, it's one, one, one theory about it. But there's also the sense that these people can also be victims and have been groomed. I mean, this is really speculative because, you know, I've never met Dr. Nandi, and, and uh, we don't know enough about her own personal history in that sense. But, um, you know, she may have been, what we do know is that she met him when she was at that. That was the first point of contact. And 
he was sort of got her into his modeling agency or mm. so it might have been that the grooming started then so really when when she came in 2017 when she met up with him again there were already seeds sown so it could be that we're looking at that kind of picture um we also don't know about her is you know, it doesn't seem from the picture we get um it doesn't seem like this is someone that's got criminal tendencies but we don't know and mm. you know, maybe that there's something in her related to something in him. Mm. So I've I've spoken to some people that has grown up with Dr. Nandi that know her from back home quite frankly mm-hmm. speaking and that even went to school with her. They describe her as uh, a average everyday next door neighbor girl that that there was nothing outstanding or uh, uh, you know unique or uh, spectacular about her she was an average student in school for the most part uh, she was a family person uh, well integrated into the community and reasonably reserved and reasonably outgoing and had a balance thereof um, and that if you told anyone that she had committed a crime it would almost be hard to believe uh, mm-hmm. because she didn't strike uh, and 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 model herself as a person who is capable of that throughout her life so uh, that's the description I've gotten from people that have grown up with her and are close family friends with her does that information help in any way to ascertain whether or not there may indeed have been a void that she was trying to fill so you see that's why kind of a further history is important um, yeah. yeah because you'd want to know I mean if you had that kind of profile well then I mean it's quite strange that she would do this because what we find is people with criminal tendencies I mean it starts very early on in life, sort of an adolescent and, um, you know, that, that have fundamental personality traits that lean themselves to, to that kind of behavior. So you would find a history of it in, yeah. you know, much earlier on in her life. But, you know, from what you're saying, there isn't one. So then, you know, we might speculate that, well, perhaps she really is a victim. And, um, you know, these, which also, people like Tabo Besta are incredibly good at picking up on people's sort of weak spots, vulnerabilities, and exploiting them for their own benefit. So, you know, he must have been incredibly strong, too. So he might have, you know, he would have known how to manipulate her. Because mm. that's really what he does very well mm. with a lot of different people. That, uh, I mean, she's a medical doctor, so reasonably we can deduce that she's a relatively smart human being that has, uh, you know, solid functioning of logical processes. She understands basic logical outcomes and reasoning. Does hybristophilia at all discriminate against IQ and EQ, or is it an indiscriminate mental condition? So I think, I mean, if we go the route of psychoanalysis and, and kind of the Freudian view, there's some, some um, kink, excuse the pun, that happens probably when you know, puberty starts. Something gets, for hybristophilia, something gets warped there. And then... Um, you know, then, then it develops into adulthood. So, I mean, I, do, I, I think with her, she may have a high IQ, but we don't know her EQ. Right. This may be someone with very actually poor self-esteem that, that pushed her to achieve great things, to almost compensate for it. Mm. But, um, you know, could be very easily exploited by the wrong person. Mm, mm, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Dr. Giada Del Fabro. Really, really do appreciate it. Thanks, Oliver. Dr. Del Fabro is a clinical and forensic psychologist.